Hey, what's up? Thanks for listening to the Give Me Understanding podcast. I'm the host, Aaron Dodson. Psalm 119, verse 34, best describes this podcast. The psalmist wrote in the long ago, Give me understanding and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. This is the podcast where I discuss the sacred text and I do my best to help myself and others understand it so that we might keep God's law and that we might observe it with our whole heart. This is the first of uh, probably seven episodes, a themed series of episodes that I want to cover on the sayings, the final sayings of Jesus, sometimes called Jesus' seven sayings or the sayings from the cross. In this episode, I'll cover uh, in a somewhat brief fashion the first of these sayings, the the phrase or the word of forgiveness. These final sayings of Jesus have been cherished and studied by Jesus' followers, no doubt, since they were spoken, and I've always been intrigued by them, or at least for a long time. I truly believe that we can learn a lot about a person from their final sayings in life. We can learn what is on their mind and often what characterizes or it replic- or it uh, represents what what their character is what has been on their mind in life and even in the final moments of their life no doubt depending on what is happening to them as their life is very quickly uh, leaving them or about to now the last 24 hours of Jesus life as you probably know especially his experience on the cross were most unique and incredible And of all the things that Jesus could have said in his last few hours of um, hanging on the cross, he spoke these words, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And then, Eli, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is translated, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then, I thirst. And then, it is finished. And finally, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Now, I read those in the order in which I have come to believe they were spoken. To know for sure, without any questionable doubt, we may not know the exact order. But the order that I have chosen is the order that many Bible scholars have come to believe was the order in which Jesus said those over a period of time. Obviously, not within a few minutes, Jesus hung on the cross for hours. Now, these words, these phrases that he spoke were words of forgiveness, future, family, fellowship, focus, and finality. But in this particular episode, now that I've somewhat introduced the sayings, I want to consider and focus on forgiveness the word of forgiveness that our Lord spoke from the cross. 
from each of these statements, I want us to think, you know, what can we learn about Jesus and, and how can we honor his seven sayings or live out the principles he taught in these seven sayings? Well, the first, again, forgiveness. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. Luke 23, 34. And this saying of Jesus from the cross is only found in Luke's account. Now, a person being executed was supposed to confess their sins, but instead, Jesus confesses the sins of his unjust judges. The Background Cultural Study Bible says that prayers for judgment against persecutors were common in the Old Testament. And you might consider Second Chronicles 24, 22. Thus Joash the king did not remember the kindness which Jehoiada his father had done to him, but killed his son. And as he died, he said, The Lord look on it and repay. Prayers for judgment against persecutors were common during the Old Testament times. You might see Psalm 137, verse 7 through 9, and there are several references in Jeremiah. Jeremiah 15, 15, Jeremiah 17, 18, Jeremiah 18, 23, Jeremiah 20, verse 12. Truly, Jesus, though, exemplified his own teaching in his prayer. Consider with me Luke chapter uh, 6, verse 28. Luke 6, verse 28, Jesus said, Bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. And that's exactly what he was doing on the cross. He was offering a prayer of blessing, and he was praying for those who were cursing him and spitefully using him. Remember the taunts at the cross? Oh, if you're really the son of God, bring yourself down. Oh, he saved others, but he can't save himself. And all forms of ridicule, I say all forms, many forms of ridicule were hurled at our sinless and precious and perfect and holy Lord. But Jesus exemplified his own teaching in this prayer, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And in times past, I have struggled with this. Maybe you have. And I hear sometimes brethren even say things like, well, you know, that was an incredible thing that Jesus did in saying that, but he was Jesus, you know, and that's how he was able to do that. But I want to bring to our attention or perhaps to your remembrance the fact that Stephen, who was molded by his master's love and compassion, prayed the same thing for those who murdered him. Luke wrote that Stephen said, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Acts 7, verse 60. Well, Stephen was not the son of God. He was not the sinless lamb of God, but yet he was molded by his master's love and compassion. And so he prayed that these individuals might experience forgiveness. That is, that God would not hold this to their charge. Well, God did hold them accountable for killing him. But Stephen's prayer 
indicates that these individuals would be free of that charge. That's how the Lord doesn't hold a charge against us. Hebrews 8, uh, 12 and 13, their sins and their iniquities I'll remember no more. That's after a person has come to God on God's terms and been forgiven. Truly, the, the mission of our Lord and Savior was that he came to seek and to save the lost, Luke 19.10, and to shed his blood for many for the remission or the remitting of sins, Matthew 26.28. Now, as probably all who hear this know, the Bible clearly teaches us of God's love, the depth of his love, and the forgiveness of sins that are available through his Son. I love the words of Jesus that so many find to be comforting. John three sixteen, For God so loved the world, that is, he loved the world in such a way that he gave his only begotten son. And that only begotten son on the cross, as he had been beaten, spit upon, struck, slapped, scourged, mocked, and laughed at, was nailed to wood and put upright across in the ground, stood upright, if you will, lifted up from the earth, and he was laughed at. He was mocked and ridiculed for many for their mission of sins. And that teaches us and reminds us of the great depth of the love of God, John 3.16. And Jesus in dying that way, demonstrated the highest level of love by giving his life for his friends and extending that forgiveness to his enemies, to those who killed him. Isn't that incredible? Jesus had said, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. John fifteen thirteen, and I'm minded of Romans chapter 5. I love this passage, and you probably do too. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Here is the Lord Jesus demonstrating the highest level of a will to do good, love by giving his life for his friends and extending that forgiveness through his son to his enemies. Jesus truly prayed an incredible thing. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And Paul wrote, had they known, had they realized, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 8. Ignorance of God's will, it kills. Was Jesus' prayer answered? I put forth to you in this episode that Jesus' prayer began to be answered on the day of Pentecost when the gospel message was preached and about 3,000 souls not only heard it, but believed it 
and repented of sins and were baptized in the name of Christ for the remission of sins. Acts 2 verses 37 through 41. Note this. Note this, dear listener. Jesus prayed for their forgiveness, but they did not experience forgiveness until they heard the message, they believed it, and by believing they gladly received, they were baptized. The gladly receiving ones, Acts 2.41, were the baptized ones. And the Lord added to the church, to their number daily, those who were being saved, Acts 2.47. So to gladly receive the word by being baptized means you are then saved. You, you experience salvation and forgiveness. That's what Peter promised. Now, how is it that they were being saved? Well, they were being saved because they were gladly receiving the word by being baptized. Why so? Because Peter preached for them to be saved from this perverse and crooked generation. But again, why were they baptized? Because they were commanded to repent and be baptized. Why did Peter command that? Because he was guided by the Holy Spirit, Acts 2, verses 1 through 4. And because Peter, being guided in such a way, was prompted by the question, What shall we do? So Jesus prayed, Father, on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Well, they weren't automatically forgiven as soon as Jesus prayed it and wished it to be so, hoped that they would be forgiven. But instead, God has a will regarding forgiveness. A person outside of Christ must come to believe the message about Christ, that He is the Son of the living God. They must repent that is, change their heart about Christ and about sin, recognizing the, the, the damning effects of sin. And they must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Not, not to show you're saved, but for the forgiveness so that your sins are forgiven is the idea there. So... God had conditions for them to experience forgiveness. They were not forgiven until they did what Jesus said to do. Now, this is very important. What do we make of this first saying of Jesus? We need to be a people who have an attitude like Christ. That we not only seek God's forgiveness, we obey the gospel and become a child of God and wear the name of Jesus Christ. But we in turn have a heart that desires for others to be forgiven too. Even when they sin against us personally. That we might be perfect as our Father in heaven is perfect. Matthew five forty eight. Jesus said that if we do not forgive others their trespasses, our Heavenly Father will not forgive us, Matthew 6, 12 through 15. And that we must be willing to forgive from the heart our brother when he has wronged us, Matthew 18, 21 through 35. 
But I want us to notice two things in this connection before I close this episode that some people don't like, but it's very plain. It's as plain as he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Luke 17, 13, excuse me, Luke 17, 3 and 4, Jesus said, Take heed to yourselves, that is, pay attention to yourself. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. Notice these are if-then statements. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. So there's the charge. If someone's done us wrong, they've sinned against us, we're to rebuke them, we're to correct them for that. And if they repent, forgive them. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Again, that reflects the words of Matthew 18, 21 through 35, where in the conclusion of that particular parable, Jesus said very clearly, So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespass. What will his heavenly Father do if we don't forgive? Well, the master was angry with the servant that wouldn't forgive in return and delivered him to the torturers. Oh, that's a terrible thought to think that a child of God might be delivered to the torturers because they withhold forgiveness from those who repent. Folks, it's very clear from Luke 17, 3 through 4, we don't extend, we can't extend forgiveness, the canceling of debt that someone sinned against us, if they have not repented. That doesn't mean we hold a grudge against them. We've got to learn to love and be gentle. We've got to learn that while we were still sinners, Christ had already died for us, Romans 5, 8. And when we've been wronged, we have a responsibility to go to them to fix the problem. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. We can't be like so many who think, well, they didn't repent, they didn't come to me, they didn't apologize, but I forgive them anyway. Folks, that is totally unbiblical. Jesus did not do that on the cross. Jesus did not say, Father, forgive them in their sins. There are no conditions. Forgive them now. No. He prayed a prayer expressing his great desire that they be forgiven by the Father, and we learn how that was obeyed, how that was fulfilled, how it was brought to pass. It was brought to pass by their hearing the gospel, believing it, and repenting, changing their heart about their sin and being baptized into Christ. So if a brother or sister has sinned against us, we need to go to them and rebuke them. And... Matthew 18, sins of a personal nature that are private in nature. We have uh, words that will help us to remedy that situation from the Lord himself, Matthew uh, 18, 15 through 20. I know we struggle with this concept, folks, but if a brother or sister has sinned against us, we must go to them and rebuke them. So they can learn the error of their way. Sin is that serious. And so is the command of our Lord Jesus. But we must not extend forgiveness if they do not repent. Why? Because we harbor ill will in our hearts? No, because the Lord gave if-then statements. If this is the case, then you do this. So if it's not the case that they repent, we cannot extend forgiveness. 
Listen closely to Ephesians 4.32. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So, And verse 31 says we're to put bitterness, wrath, clamor, and evil speaking away from us and malice. Put that away. Instead, be kind and tenderhearted. So that would mean that we're like the loving father in the parable of the lost son. He didn't go out begging him to come home. He had a responsibility to come home to do what was right. But here's what we need to emulate. We need to be a people who when we see someone coming back, when they when they desire that forgiveness, that we extend it. When they've expressed they know they've done wrong, when they've expressed their wrongdoing, they've confessed their sin, they've repented to us, they have, they have sought our approval through repentance. Our forgiveness is the better word, not approval, but our forgiveness. We must forgive one another even as God in Christ forgave us. What does that mean? Well, one of the great conditions that Jesus has given, that God has given, even as God in Christ forgave you, how did God in Christ forgive us? Through the, through the message of the truth that included repentance. So we don't extend forgiveness where there is no repentance. God does not extend us forgiveness when we have not repented. What makes us think that we can extend forgiveness? I think the issue here is often we confuse ill will or bad attitude or malice with extending or with not extending forgiveness. Folks, if I don't extend forgiveness because that individual will not repent after I've gone to them, that's not holding ill will. That's obeying Jesus. Notice one more time. This is incontrovertible. It's crystal clear. Luke 17, 3. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he sins, excuse me, and if he repents, forgive him. If then, if he sins, then you go and rebuke him. If he repents, you forgive him. There we have it. It's very clear. That's as clear as he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Very, very clear. Very, very clear. Again, even as God in Christ forgave us. How did God forgive us in Christ when we obeyed the gospel? And part of that was repentance. Repentance. We need to be like that loving Father. We're longing and waiting. And when we see them come our direction, we're happy because we're not holding a grudge. We're not holding ill will. We're wanting there to be reconciliation. We want to extend repent, uh, excuse me, forgiveness to them. Oh, we should treasure forgiveness because we need it. I need it from God, and I need it from my brethren from time to time. Forgiveness is a most beautiful subject in Scripture that has been made possible through Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Here again, the words of Jesus on the cross as he's received so much torture, humiliation, and pain. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Were they forgiven right then and there on the spot? No. When was in God's grand scheme of providential, his providential plan, how were they 
Acts 2, verse 38 through 47, really. Here it is. God extended forgiveness through a message. And they had to obey that message from the heart. Acts 2, 38. Romans 6, 17 and 18. And if we're to honor this saying of Jesus on the cross, we not only seek to be a forgiven people, but but also a forgiving people. Even, even when forgiveness might be tough to extend, God has given us instructions. And even when someone won't repent, here's what we can do. Even if we've gone to them, but they won't repent, we can say to them, I love you, and I want you to be right with God, and I want to be right with you. I want to extend forgiveness. Let's make this possible. Jesus is clear. Jesus is plain. And his actions are powerful. And so are his teachings. Thanks for listening to the Give Me Understanding podcast. If you found this useful to you, please share it with others. God bless, and I'll catch you next time.